is Life After Coma, Living with TBI, a podcast about traumatic brain injury. My name is Nicole, and my husband's name is Brandon. He had a severe traumatic brain injury that resulted in a coma and four years of recovery. We want to shed light on one of America's most common and silent killers, head injuries. In 2014, there were 57,000 deaths and ER visits and hospitalizations were at 2.8 million. Join us as we share stories, lives, struggles, and successes. This is Nicole. And this is Brandon Brando. And we have a very popular topic today that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. And Brandon, tell us a little bit about it. Okay, so this has been floating around for a little bit, um, kind of indirectly been asked, but someone came, I came across. There's a couple of posts. Months ago, there were a few posts, and they were like, am I making things up, or is this abuse, or is it a TBI? And there's really, it's hard to tell the difference. Uh, a lot of times TBI symptoms can look like abuse. And it's really hard, even for the people who are suffering from it, to realize that they're treating people like this. And we just wanted to clear things up a little. Especially with caregivers, I feel like from the outside looking in, a caregiver could look like somebody, like a victim, somebody who is being abused. And if you were to talk about, um, you know, family members watching this, you know, oh my gosh, what's going on behind closed doors? He's overreacting. He's yelling at her. I mean, they don't know the full story. So, and then the same thing, the reverse is for the, is the same thing. On the subreddit TBI, which we're, which we love, we go there all the time to help people, um, you'll also see people who have brain injuries saying, am I being abusive? How do I stop being abusive? And so this is a, this is a really common topic that is difficult. It's difficult for us to talk about. It's difficult for other people to confront and talk about. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list off and hopefully we can make this really hard, difficult topic, a little lighthearted, <laughs> as much as possible. But I'm going to list off some red flags in a relationship or, you know, any type of a relationship with your, as a caregiver, son, mom, dad, whatever you may be, red flags of abuse. And then Brandon's going to list off some Mm. Common indicators from yeah from TBI from uh, a traumatic brain injury yeah that can you know a lot of times will resemble a abusive relationship that not necessarily that's what that is mm-hmm so I have got quite a list I have a long list yelling could be considered abusive mean comments and that's like insensitive inappropriate public mm -hmm. comments mm -hmm. gaslighting where they deny that events or arguments or agreements ever <laughs> happened now that that one's hard because you know at least for me i have 
when in the moment I could have like a one second short term memory span. So we were just talking about this. I'll say something mean, she'll be like, No, I don't want to say that and like, why are you angry? It's like you just yelled at me. It's like, No, I didn't because I I literally don't remember that. Um, so it's it's hard. This is like an everyday occurrence. And I'm sure I'm laughing because as as frustrating as it can be in the moment looking back on it it's pretty funny um we'll be t we'll have a conversation and i'll be like hey did this happen and then he'll you know no this didn't happen and i'll be like oh my god what is wrong with you nothing is wrong with me what do you mean and oh my god now it escalates okay now we're both upset here and we a lot of times it just turns into okay we're agreeing why are we yelling at each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but from the outside looking in, it looks like abuse. Or if you were even to try to explain to somebody what's happening, they'd be like, well, that's really abusive, isn't it? So gaslighting. <laughs> Denying events or arguments or agreements that have ever happened. Again, TBI. <laughs> Frequent outbursts. Unpredictability. Mm -hmm. um, feigning helplessness. And I really want to talk about this one for a moment helplessness can take on so many different forms and when you have somebody who's in an abusive relationship that will look like I don't know how to grocery shop I don't know how to do the dishes uh, I don't know how to work the I don't know washing machine or something of that nature and the the end goal is to just be so incompetent that the spouse or the caregiver, or the mom or dad or whoever, just do it for them. And then, of course, you know, they do it and then they don't do it wrong or they don't do it fast enough or something or the mm -hmm. other. And now, well, y you did a crappy job. Why did you did this and you screwed it up anyway? Like, what's wrong with you? And then it becomes an argument. So when somebody is saying, oh, feigning helplessness, it's really more of a coercive, controlling behavior towards the victim in the relationship. Um, for TBI, it's mm. not feigning helplessness. It is a helplessness. Well, there is, there is a line um, where, for me, there was a long period where, you know, I... It, I couldn't do anything the way I wanted to that I remember doing that I was good at. So, like, everything felt like, well, I can't do that. It's like, have you tried? He's like, well, I just know I can't do it. Like, because it became so common. Like, when I first recovered from uh, my TBI, I couldn't walk. And then I learned to use a wheelchair. And, well, I'll never get to crutches. And I got to crutches. Like, well, I'll never walk again. Eventually I walked, but like every time it was like, I'll never do this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was like, well, I'm going to try. And even, um, in, even in a more like, you know, recovered setting, it's such that not even just you, but I think a lot of people get to the point in their recovery where, you know, you're at home, you're functioning, but simple everyday tasks can be overwhelming mm -hmm. because it's not just doing the dishes. It's remembering where every single dish goes. 
-hmm. It's remembering to actually not just set them on the counter, but then put them in the cabinets. It's, it's okay, now I did that, what's the next step? Mm -hmm. And so when I say, hey, can you do the dishes, to an outsider that could look like, oh, he's having a tantrum or he's throwing an episode because he doesn't, know, he doesn't want to do the dishes because he's feigning helplessness. When in reality, it requires so many steps yeah. and so many types of memory. I think that from the outside looking in, an observer would say, wow, that's so abusive. They're saying that I can't do the dishes or I, I, it's too much for me, it's too hard for me, or whatever the, the reason may be. But in reality, depending on the fatigue level that you're at, it's 100% valid. 100% valid and you might have family members coming to you and be like Nicole he can do this he can do this or why is he making you do this all the time like you can share this and when I know personally and we'll get to that in a minute but you have to determine yeah like this is this is fatigue this is being overwhelmed he's already done a thousand other tasks the whole day of course, I don't need, I mean, you know, it should always be like 100% for each partner. <laughs> like, I hope that everyone is helping out doing the dishes in their own households. Um, but in my case in particular, I, I've come to start recognizing and realizing, no, this is not, he's not feigning. He's not, because if I let him into the kitchen, he's going to start breaking stuff. You know, just drop, <laughs> just dropping cups and plates and everything. We still have cups and plates. They're just <laughs> reduced. Okay, and so the last one I have that's similar to TBI is stonewalling or leaving a social event or walking away from a social event or conversation. And I can already feel the confusion coming from our audience. How is stonewalling similar, an abusive red flag, how is that similar to TBI? And um, the only way that I can explain it, and Brandon, you're going to have to explain it too, <laughs> but from my point of view, it's like the emotional stimulation of a conversation, if you're in the middle of a conversation, especially if it's charged and we're both upset, it just makes your brain shut off. It's not that you're doing it on purpose. It's just that it's, it's like running a mile and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is way too much. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Um, for someone, I mean, personally, me, I've never had trouble with uh, conversation. That was like the one thing I was great at. It got me through pretty much everything I've ever encountered. Um, after my TBI, my tank of energy that I have throughout the day is probably cut into a quarter um, and I maybe do one or two things and I can sit down and watch a movie but after that like I'm I'm done you can talk to me I might say something I can't comprehend what's happening mm -hmm. uh, my brain isn't working anymore and that's something it's very hard to recognize in yourself uh, Nicole sees it all the time so she's pointed it out to me a lot um, but over the years I've learned to just know what my limits are even if I don't see them being like if I go more than this 
I'm not going to know what's happening anymore. So I stop. Uh, case in point is I try to call my parents um, oh, yeah. all the time because, you know, we're in different states. They moved to another state. I moved away a long time ago. So we're both kind of in like unfamiliar territory and stuff. So I try to keep in touch. My mom could talk infinitely. Um, mm -hmm. And like it was it was just something that would happen. I grew up with it. There's nothing bad about it. But now like I got about an hour. If I push myself, I might do two. But I legit, if I do an hour of talking to my mom, I have to do nothing for an hour because my, my brain is overloaded. And I think that, like, in on the topic of stonewalling or walking away from a social event or whatever, this is just a regular conversation. This mm -hmm. isn't, like, an emotionally charged conversation where we're both upset or your mother's screaming. This is just a normal conversation. Yeah, that if I was upset, it'd be like five minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and that would be empty. Exactly. And I think that stonewalling can be frustrating for the caregiver. And I shouldn't even call it stonewalling. It's just literally shut. It's a shutdown. It's like the blue screen of death. Okay. <laughs> it's a shutdown because you're so overstimulated and suddenly so fatigued. In the middle of a regular conversation, you could just start falling asleep on me. You know, and then if you add in the emotions that go with a very charged conversation, well, now it's like a 30 second conversation. Your brain can barely handle it. So we have to table a lot. We have to come back to a lot of discussions. Well, you have to table a lot because <laughs> I will not remember what we were talking about. That's funny. No, that's true, though. So that's my list. That's my that's my list of things that could be similar to a TBI. And then I have a whole other list of things that are non-similar, things that are actually abuse, in my opinion. These are, like, key indicators of abuse. So here's your list. Okay, so um, some things that come out personally to me uh, that obviously if someone's just walking by, this is not, you know, something you see in the random person you see someone yelling at someone you're like oh man she's in a terrible situation that guy's super evil um not that these situations aren't hard on both parties but the sources are not the same um but the biggest one for me uh poor mental and physical judgment um you know you maybe you have a inability to balance and you're like I'm gonna walk on that fence well that's a terrible idea because you know you can't balance but in the moment you're like I can do that um, and I think anybody who's had a TBI you've done something like that at least once uh, I am guilty of using rolling chairs as ladders <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> natural consequence of falling on a yeah. carpet um, but um, another one that I was uh, thinking about that kind of goes with that is outbursts yeah. uh, so you have you know sometimes mental judgment goes with that fatigue you just 
you don't know what's happening you try to make stuff up oftentimes that turns into either sadness or anger um, but physical outbursts that's where you get into oh man it's abuse it's not good obviously it's not good nobody wants to be like oh I hit my mom or I slapped my wife or but I whatever. will say this like you you are not a violent person and you've had some crazy outbursts especially when you were still in the hospital but never ever ever have you hit anyone ever before your accident or now and I personally think that if you are in a, an abusive relationship whether or not they have a TBI and they start to hit you you need to leave period mm -hmm. if this person is so mentally unwell that they're hitting you you leave it, there's no explanation there's no excuses my my thoughts and I don't think you're wrong I just think maybe that would be a point where you need to step back you need to get someone else to help yes. um, and because you know there's people who do this for a living and they're more responsible for the situation that you're in than you are you don't have years of experience um, you don't know how to handle someone who like throws a chair across the room um, so that's that's something that you know you're just gonna have to relinquish your responsibilities and it'll help the person that you're taking care of but more importantly it'll help you because you know everyone's life is the most important thing in their lives at least it should be so you can't help someone if you're in a hospital um, so you have to give up just a little bit of your responsibility towards someone else for your own safety Absolutely. if that happens I agree um, with that poor physical and mental judgment uh, it's usually a result of impulsiveness or risky behavior um, like first thing that comes to mind you know when I was in college we got bored one weekend and we went skydiving very impulsive um, also a lot of fun now um, I would probably be like yeah let's do it again except I have like half my skull is a metal plate so it's probably not a good idea to be like 20,000 feet in the sky mm -hmm. um, and I think the impulsivity like it also or risky behavior also goes under um, I would say like buying things yeah purchasing things but the risky behavior is more or less like well screw it I'm just gonna do mm -hmm. whatever comes to my mind immediately um, yeah with with me that for a while I tend to I'd be great for a long time and then I go out and I buy something really expensive and be like why'd you do that it's like why not it'll be fine <laughs> um, and my wife Nicole is a very budget-friendly person <laughs> And I'm very used to, oh, well, I have money right now. I'm going to buy it. It's like, what were you going to use that money for before? It doesn't matter. I'm going to buy this. Yeah. Like, that's just how I live my life. And it is not responsible. And I'm trying to change my ways. But part of that is TBI and 
it's a hard thing to get out of because it is instantaneous. Well, yeah, the processing speed is different now. You see it, you want it. You see it, mm -hmm. you want it. And, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is that there's a very small, like, now as, as a regular person, a lot of people have, I have a thought, I'm thinking it through, I'm deciding on what to do before I do it. Whereas, you know, if you have a brain injury, it's a lot shorter. There's a very short path <laughs> in between thought and do. There's an open doorway. <laughs> you just walk through. There's, there's very little room or there's very little time to decide all the other things that somebody else might decide. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, um, with that, uh, we have, that can also manifest as a lack of empathy or apathy. Uh, mostly, uh, I think when you come out of a coma, you come out of an injury, and you start to talk to people again, like, there's a dis, uh, there's a, um, disconnection of your emotions. Um, and I don't know how long I was like that, but I definitely, um, had trouble with finding my emotions. Now, because... I had so much trouble for so long when I finally found those emotions it just like burst out and sometimes it does still where like I'll watch a sad movie and like something it, it, kids movies sometimes yeah. something mildly sad will happen and I'm just like gushing tears and I'm just like I know this isn't that sad but <laughs> oh my oh that's the part I love the most now we get to, <laughs> we we cry over Disney movies together but oh. in the very very beginning there's stages to recovering from a coma and it's not just you know you see that TV show or movie or whatever and they just oh their eyes are open and they're talking normally no you have to go through each stage of awakening and one hmm. of those stages is robotic it's mm -hmm. just a very logical robotic response stage and it along with that comes the lack of empathy the lack of emotions to the point where it's just very bland, mm -hmm. black and white. Yes. I always, I always joke uh, to Nicole like, we we're big fans of Korean dramas, and every time there's always there's always a cop out. Some some main character is ends up in a coma, and they go into a coma for like two <laughs> days, three days, a month, a year, and then they recover, and it's like, boom, eyes open, and like I'm just gonna walk away. Like that's. That's not how it works. Um, anyone who's been in that situation, yeah, we we wish we we could yeah. just open our eyes and be fine. But. No, not at all. In those that that first stage of of awakening, and you have to go through each of these at some point, you know. And it might be a lot faster for people if you were unconscious for a shorter amount of time. But at least for you, I noticed you had months of yeah. months of no emotion. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it just came back, and it was it had a, a shorter it had a shorter path. Yeah. Um, which also then comes back to like the outbursts, right? Um, but I think that when your emotions did start coming back, there was a huge apathy, negativity, irritation aspect to it, which can come off as abusive. 
Well, part of that for me um, was, you know, I I went for a social security disability personally because we, I really needed the money. I can't work. I can barely get up the same time every day. So every day is a struggle, and that that little bit of money could you know keep me afloat. But getting that disability like in the back of my mind for a long time it's a huge blow yeah i was just like well now i'm disabled i'm officially disabled i can't do anything i am not part of society and it's <clears throat> it's very hard it was hard for me to get over and i'm probably not <laughs> over it really still but um you know you just have to live with your situation because no one's gonna be perfect everyone has problems but it also like that's huge that is a huge life change and then on top of it you you have those unstable emotions that mm -hmm. come up so strongly and contribute to all these other things that apathy and negativity and depression come along with it mm -hmm. um, but also the agitation right agitation is huge with brain injuries and the lashing out and the outbursts, I feel like the shorter path, to me, it's, I can clearly differentiate between, okay, yeah, this is a short path situation here. This is nothing else other than, it happened, I'm mad, right? Or it mm -hmm. happened, I'm sad. I, I thought about it and I'm depressed now for an hour yeah so um that's another thing like those emotional situations are that we put ourselves in are really hard to pull yourself out of you know i've gone through everything apathy empathy depression anger um and you know they they come in all forms i've had months where i was depressed i've had months where i was angry um, but then I've also had like one day where all that stuff happened in an hour. Uh, and it's, it's hard to, uh, feel like a normal person, but you know, there's, there's people that go through that type of stuff and they're considered normal. Like, so I'm, I'm always like my mom, my dad, my wife, everyone's like, well, I'm not like normal people because this is happening. I want to be normal. And I'm always like, well, I'm pretty sure everyone has a complex or a physical challenge oh, of some absolutely. kind. Like, no one's... Show me the one person who has nothing wrong with them. I have a moment like that at least twice a day. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, it's something to put yourself in perspective that everyone's uh, dealing with something. You don't know what their war is. You don't know what their struggle is. Mm -hmm. um, and you just have to be the best person that you can be right so now now we we have our, our what looks like a TBI and what is similar to a TBI but it's actually like a red flag for abuse so we have we've laid those things out um, what is like what is a legit red flag what is a legit red flag what do you think What's something that you're like undeniable, 100% abuse? For me, um, and this is 
Okay, so you are king of the finances, honestly. <laughs> that could be but, considered abuse. But if, <laughs> I think if I wasn't allowed to do anything, if I was like, I'm going to go out and publicly you're like, you can't do that. That's irresponsible. Get back in the car. You're stupid. Whatever. That's abuse. Okay. Not yeah. being having no freedom in what you do. That's abuse. That was a really good call out. So again, back to like I do control the finances. I budget. I pay all the bills. I know how much money comes in and out, and I everything one hundred percent do the taxes, all of it. Mm -hmm. And so like <laughs> I, from the I, outside looking in, maybe I'm the abusive one. <laughs> I see that I would not be able to do that. I know I'm not good with numbers. I. At one point, long ago, I was an engineer. All those numbers are gone. Um, so. But you're right. Like you do get to do things, and that's huge. If like somebody is literally being isolated, kept mm -hmm. inside, no money at all. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or wife, or you know, if you're unemployed at the moment. You should be able to depend on your person. Yeah. Period. Because I've, I've seen this was a long time ago but i've seen what abuse looks like and a lot of times like i had no idea this person that i was like i was mutual friends with him we weren't friends like him and me but i knew people that he knew and we had a house party he was always a normal guy never angry and stuff he came to that house party and yelled at his wife and kids oh. non-stop they were cowering in the corner. Just like in front of everyone? Yeah, and oh. they wouldn't come out of the kitchen. And I was like, what is happening? And I, I, didn't, I didn't really know what was going on. So it just, you know, went one ear out the other because I didn't want to deal with it. That was a long time well, ago. Well, I mean, that's kind of an awkward position to put your freaking yeah. house guests in. Um, but like seeing it firsthand and then now I'm older where I can make those decisions. Yeah, usually abusers will hide behind closed doors. They yeah. don't they don't usually maybe he was drunk or something. anyways, that's way off topic. <laughs> wow, that's awful. But yeah, it was it was a big eye opener and then you know, now it's it's like I can you can tell personally, I can tell if someone's like the relationship is strained. Um and especially mm -hmm. if it's abusive. To me, it's really obvious if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, but in this case, I mean, he was yelling at them. Did he have a TBI? No. No. I mean, the, and that's, that's what's difficult because in the moment when you're having an emotional outburst with your, your loved one, with your person who has a brain injury, um, and they're yelling and they're, you know, making some impulsive things happen you know maybe they're throwing things maybe they're all types you know anything can happen but as long as they're not hitting you right but that doesn't in an abusive situation in a really abusive situation is it a tbi or is it abuse and in my opinion as as a caregiver i have to step back and put my feelings aside and say yeah of course my feelings are hurt now, is he doing this to be mean, or is he unable to process what's happening? And somebody who's at a house party, 
yelling at his family. Yeah, that that was definitely. I want to say maybe he does have a brain injury. No. Or he was drunk. I don't. I wasn't there. That was he walked in and that's who he was. Wow, that's awful. Unless he was drunk before he got here. I have no clue, but I I will say I will say that. The way that you can de- you can define and tell abusive yelling from brain injury yelling is they are blaming you, they're goading you, they're name calling you. Okay, they're invalidating their your feelings. They're all type it's your fault that I'm mad. You know, you did this wrong, so of course I'm yelling. Your feelings don't mean anything. Like, you are the one who upset me. So if that kind of language is happening, then you have, that's abuse. You've never done any of that. Like, ever. No. You've never talked like that at all. Ever. And that's the difference in abuse, is this person over here yelling at his family He's purposefully putting them down. Mm-hmm. And as, as, as injured as you were at your worst, at your worst, Brandon, barely able to say anything but ice chips, okay? <laughs> you, you were so sweet and so nice. And even when the nurses said, no, you cannot have ice chips, no, you didn't yell at them, you didn't call them names. Just waited till they walked away and, and I you, turned to you. And <laughs> you like, kept asking. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I feel like everyone always decides to to make that decision. You know, like it's it's a choice to call somebody names, to say the b word or the p word or the d word or the f word or whatever. That's like one rule that you just never break. You don't call somebody that you love names you you don't you don't do that you know um or at least invalidate their feelings well you can't feel that way or your feelings are stupid that's abusive and it doesn't matter if they have a brain injury or not if they're doing that to you it's wrong it's wrong so one of the other things on my list that is 100 percent 100 percent abusive is well isolating you said that Mm -hmm. trivializing your feelings uh, withholding affection Um, and that looks like they're punishing you on purpose they're actually going out of their way to say you know what you screwed up you're stupid you're dumb and I'm going to give you the cold shoulder I'm gonna stonewall you right we're not going to talk about this conversation anymore and I'm not going to touch you or hug you or anything like that because you didn't take me to Starbucks <laughs> or whatever, yeah. you know, because abusive people come up with the stupidest stuff in the world to be abusive about. Um, and then the last one I have is jealousy, extreme jealousy to the point that they don't trust you with anyone Mm -hmm. yeah that's something like you know you you have an old friend you go out to dinner with them and maybe they're female you're a female you go out to meet um and your significant other your caretaker whoever that's really possesses of, of you finds out and suddenly you're cheating on them with someone or 
you're hatching a plan to hurt them or whatever they think it doesn't really need a reason that makes sense because they have these situations in their head and I mean sometimes that they're just doing it to be abusive um, and either way like that's something that is a red flag that's not a mental issue that's a personality issue yeah it's trust mm -hmm. I mean, you can have you can't have trust in any kind of a relationship you know caregiver family member husband or wife or whatever if you don't trust someone or they don't trust you and then they yell at you for it or they make you feel guilty for going to get brunch with your hmm. friends well that's a problem that's well and beyond brain injury territory you know you if you have somebody who's purposefully going after your feelings telling you different names you know and then also on top of that dehumanizing you or isolating you that is abuse 100 percent and then of course violence mm -hmm. they can't they can't be violent at all and so and i feel like this is such a controversial topic on the subreddit simply because people are afraid to just ask the question mm -hmm. and I feel for them because it can feel really bad it's hard it uh, is hard I mean like at the same time I think a lot of times people who take care of someone who has a TBI are like well he hit me in the back with a brick but he loves me and he cares about me and it was just an outburst well that's the same thing that would happen in an abusive relationship yeah. you have to be willing to step back and say I am important too and I deserve love and I deserve respect mm -hmm. and you can't feel guilty well he has an injury so I have to take care of him there's plenty of other people who are you know well capable of taking care yeah. of this person better equipped they have support behind them. You don't have to be the hero. Exactly. You can't sacrifice yourself for somebody else. If they have a TBI, bless their hearts. I My heart goes out to them. I wish them the best. I want the best for everyone. But if they're hitting you and abusing you and and ruining your life, really, like dehumanizing you, isolating you in any way, you need to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know? And at the same time, all the other things on the list of similar to a TBI this person whoever they may be should be looking to try and control themselves in some way even if mm. they even if they have impulsivity problems or if they have depression problems or if they you know are yelling because of the short fuse you know they should be willing and able to acknowledge and be held accountable for those situations. Just because I have a TBI doesn't mean, oh, yeah, I'm just, I forget, so, you know, it's whatever. Or, you know, no, if you have a tool to help you remember, then take accountability for yourself and use your tool. Oh, well, I have a short fuse because I have a TBI, so I'm, I just yell and that's the end of it. No. If you have a short fuse because of a TBI, maybe we should talk to the neuropsych about having a mood stabilizer. You know, just because you have a disability doesn't mean that you're given a free pass to act like a jerk. Um, yeah, that's 
that is definitely a hard one to uh, navigate for me and when I was in therapy for my brain injury none of us really talked about it but I think we were all dealing with it and it was just kind of like a unwritten thing that's like oh yeah I'm pretty harsh to everyone I deal with but I don't want to tell people oh I'm sorry I yelled at you or I threw stuff at you or you know whatever happened um, and there's like well I have a TBI that's what happened well you know maybe that works in a hospital where people are paid to take care of you but you know eventually most people get out of that hospital and they live with someone and they're like well maybe I shouldn't be hitting them or maybe I shouldn't be yelling at them and calling them names or breaking something because yeah you have a TBI yeah you have personality disorders you have uh, apathy and empathy problems but at the end of the day that other person is a human too and they're taking care of you they're caring for things that you can't do or that you need help and you know we really we all have to be like well you know they're doing something for me maybe I should try to take care of them because a loving relationship goes both ways yeah I agree and it's like if if the person that you're taking care of is unwilling or unable to take accountability for themselves then that's the problem right they may have a TBI they may have a brain injury okay we understand why but how do we solve it just because you have this injury whoever it is whatever the injury is doesn't even have to be a brain injury just because you have it doesn't make it a free pass and I was telling Brandon earlier before the podcast I worked as a CNA for the mentally and physically disabled and these are people from infancy, the, the, the mind of an infant, toddler, young adult. And these are like 50-year-old people, right? But they mm -hmm. have the mindset or the physical abilities of, a, of an infant or a toddler, so on and so forth. And I will, I'm not even kidding you, some of my sweetest patients were also some of my meanest, man. They would chase you and try <laughs> to bite you. <laughs> But then afterward, they would say sorry. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't mean to. They were just overwhelmed and, and flooded with emotions. Mm -hmm. And if somebody like that can apologize and, and take responsibility for their actions, it's not a far reach to ask somebody with a moderate to, to you know, concussion of some kind to take responsibility for their actions as well. Mm -hmm. And that can look like going to a neuropsych, it can look like going to a, th a therapist, it could look like getting on a mood stabilizer, right? Or maybe writing out a plan, a conversation plan, like, hey, if I start shutting down in the middle of a conversation, mm -hmm. it's not that I want to stonewall you, I don't, I wanna be attentive, but if I start shutting down in the middle of a conversation, maybe we can just table it and we can talk about it tomorrow, right? Yeah. There's ways to work around it. And it, it, the, they have to be 100% on board and accountable and willing to be accountable to get to that point. Otherwise, to me, it's abuse. Either way. It <laughs> doesn't matter if you have a brain injury or not. If you're not willing to be accountable, it's abuse. Well, one thing that I think about a lot 
is that we ended up going to both individual and marriage counseling for at least a year or more. Oh, it's two and a half now. Two and a half. Yeah. yeah. And that, even when I didn't think it was doing anything, I think it was a waste of time. Feel like I'd never be able to communicate how I feel or be calm enough to have a normal conversation. You know, it's little baby steps. And it did something and it did a lot over time. I think it's the accountability factor of having a therapist. Because mm -hmm. then you have to show up every week and be like, well, yeah, this happened. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, often I didn't want to tell, you know, tell a stranger like, yeah, so this happened and I was really abusive to her and I felt bad, but, you know, I just, I, I couldn't face telling her I'm sorry. Well, those are, those are moments where you can be like, hey, I messed up. Do you forgive me? Those are those neutral areas where both parties have to be open up to accepting mm -hmm. stuff that they don't want. And I had a I had a podcast with one of my dear friends, Rafael Candas. If you haven't listened to it, it's an hour long. It was a wonderful interview. And one of the main questions that he posed to me was, how, how did you stick around? How did you do it? How do you still love him? Like, what was it that got you through the hardest times? And we've argued a lot. We have. It is It is not easy. It, it has not been easy. No relationship is easy, but it has been extremely hard and difficult because of the injury, right? And all the hospital visits and everything that goes with it. And I just, I recommend that you guys listen to that podcast, Rafael Candas. I'll put it in the description. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to say just on that on that podcast is I just decided that Brandon was worth it and I knew and I know that you're 100% capable of being who you were before and actually you're like 99% you know of course you you break some cups occasionally and you wake up a little late, but like to me, that's nothing. Who cares? I could care less because I have you in my life. Now, with, with that said, though, whoever may be listening to this, looking for answers, you came to this particular episode. Is he abusive or is it TBI? You need to understand that you have a choice. You have a choice. This life is not easy. Mm -hmm. If if you're, your person, whether they mean to or not, whether they're doing it on accident because of the TBI or they're doing it on purpose, it regardless of all of that, you need to be able to look at yourself and say, is this something I'm willing to do and deal with for the rest of my life? Yeah. And like sometimes, you know, we I've talked to a couple of people where they're like, yeah, I can handle this. I can take care of them. Everything's fine. Like you have to know when it's overwhelming for yourself. Like sometimes it's not worth it's it. It's okay to tap out. It's okay to say I am not capable of taking care of them. I it's okay. And I'm whoever's listening to this looking for that, I give you permission to say I can't do it. I'm done. You can't hold yourself hostage to trying to take care of someone 
even if they feel bad, even if they feel guilty for for lashing out and yelling at you and whatever else mm. it is that might be happening because of a brain injury, does not mean that you need to suffer. You don't. If you're here listening to this podcast now, looking for answers, looking looking to see like, oh, should I stay? Should I go? Honey, if you're on the fence, then you should probably just go. Mm-hmm. And maybe that won't speak to a lot of people. Maybe you're here because you just wanted to validate what you were already thinking. You want to be able to, hey, family member, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. And yeah, like this is what it is, but we're working on it. We're getting better. That might be the case, but I also know a lot of people <laughs> who have been in this situation and let, let their loved one destroy their lives. Let them just steamroll everything. Let it become the ticket to setting yourself on fire for someone else. And that is no way to live. And the the injury is not an excuse for the behavior. It's not. Even if they are willing to try to fix things, if you're burnt out, you're burnt out. It's okay to it's okay to go. It's okay. There's always going to be somebody else who who's able to take care of them, and it doesn't have to be you. And if you really think about it, like if that's happening to you, getting someone else to help or even take over, they're going to get better care. Um, yeah, especially because especially if you're burnt out. Yeah, you're not you're not giving what the care that they really need. Um, the emotional support, how could you like, anything like that you know that 's when you need to get you know neurologists, psychologists, counselors, caretakers, all that stuff and the other thing too is if you 're not ready to one hundred percent leave, you can help you can find somebody to just step in momentarily mm-hmm. so that you can take a break it 's called caregiver relief. If you're on Social Security Disability, they have it. You know, if you're a disabled veteran, they have it. If you're not on any of those, I know that there are some state programs. If you go and you you Google state program caregiver relief, you can apply for it through the state. So there's many ways of getting relief to take a break, to to recover yourself and, Mm -hmm. you know, get get the rest that you need. But this this is a for life thing. This is a for life thing, and it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. So it's not for everyone. It's like coming up to somebody and saying, "Hey, can you foster twenty dogs?" <laughs> not to you know what I mean, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a a dog farm, and I'm just mm. gonna give you like twenty huskies. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. You don't have to, well, okay, they will find someone else if you mm-hmm. say no. You know, or you could say yes and then try it for a couple of years, but it's like way too much. Mm-hmm. Then you're not able to give the huskies what they need. Right. Well, okay, fine. Like it's we can find somebody else for the huskies. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I think the key point here is to say that whoever it is in your life that might have an injury and you're looking to see is this abuse or not? It very well may could be. Mm-hmm. But just because they have a brain injury doesn't mean that it's okay. And kind of like a side note, one thing that I've heard people post or ask or even ask me a lot is like, when do I go back to normal? Oh. And I'm just like, 
you had it doesn't to me it doesn't matter how small the injury is you could have just you know you hit your head playing football and you're unconscious for like five minutes there's a small part of you that's not going to be the same um, maybe it's your patience is very thin or you know you're slightly more violent like there something's going to change for the longer that instance affects you you know the more hazardous is going to be to your personality to your body to everything mm -hmm. um and you honestly just have to be realistic with yourself and be like this is me this is who i am now um mm -hmm. sooner, without without like yeah. allowing yourself to just be a miserable person no, but don't. just being able to accept who yeah, you are. and the sooner that happens, the sooner you can heal yourself, the sooner you can find power in things that you can do. Yeah. Um, and you can find love. It's somewhere. Everyone, I think, has a place where they can find love. Mm -hmm. And you just all have types. to look for yeah, it. Yeah, all types yeah. of love. And the last thing that I want to say, too, is, you know you can be all in and you can you can help them get the care that they need and you can help them to you know try and be the best person that they can be you might need to take a break every once in a while maybe there are people out there who just have to plain tap out because they can't handle it anymore and that's okay too this is not for the weak hearted i think i've said that before on one of our podcasts this is not an easy life it's not for the weak hearted you really have to be 100% in and willing to lay it all out on the table every day. Anytime that you mess up, whether it's me or you, we have to talk about it and we have to fix it somehow. You know, maybe not everything is fixable. That's okay too. I let go uh, I let go of so many things now. <laughs> I let go of so many things and honestly, I think my life is better for it. I was pretty high strung before. I would call myself very relaxed now. Um but the the point that I'm getting to is at the end of the day, whatever you might choose, there's no wrong choice and there's no right choice. There really isn't. You just have to make a choice. You know what I mean? And that's coming back to the podcast I had with Rafael Candas. You just have to make a choice. And if that choice doesn't work out, make another one. And if that choice doesn't work out, then make another one. Mm -hmm. Don't don't buy into the sunk cost fallacy. Life is just a series of choices, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and every day, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Pretty much every moment in your life is a choice. Whether it's you know, do I want this M&M's right now for lunch? Or do I want to work out this morning? Or even, do I want to read this next page of the book? Like, everything is a choice. And I think a lot of people are like, well, that's just the way I live life. It's like, yeah, but you're making these choices all the time. Um, so when something more extreme comes into your life, you're like, oh, I, suddenly I can't make choices. Well, those choices are still there. You still have to make them. Mm -hmm. So 
I think that's that's everything that we really wanted to express. This is such a controversial topic. I'm sure that we're going to get a lot of opinions about it. I I'm prepared, you know, to take <laughs> the heat. I've said some things that's going to rub people the wrong way. I am 100% positive about it. But at the end of the day, we all want what's best for our listeners and for everyone in general. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. It's so good to be in 2022. <laughs> Again, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. This was such a heavy topic. Our next episode, I hope, will be a little lighter. And we will talk to you soon. All right. Everyone, stay safe and stay awesome. <laughs>